see the idea of the fact that we will rule and reign with him forever, that there are inevitably divine responsibilities. There are things, there's something that we will be doing. And, and you know, so the, 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 the world to come and the future that awaits us is probably much more interesting and much more dynamic. And that's why the word of God says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the good things that God has in store for those who love him. So, so anyway, today's message, we get into the second sign, uh, and here's, here's the title, okay? He does it his way. Speaking of Jesus, you remember Frank Sinatra? You remember Frank? <laughs> uh, I mean, if some of you, you remember Frank Sinatra? <laughs> Smaller glass, lighter liquid, well, not, you know, different liquid. <laughs> or that Dean Martin. But you remember a big hit, I Did It My Way? Okay, he did it, he does it. His way. Now, you'll see what I'm talking about in a moment. But the miracle we're talking about is Jesus healing an official son. Said, oh, I put Romans 11.33. How did I get that? I pasted something from the wrong place. It's John 4, 43 through 54. I'm going to read the text to you, okay? So listen, here, here this, this is what we find here. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now, these first few verses, we're kind of seeing Jesus from where we were last week in chapter 2. He's been, he's, he's been in Jerusalem. He's been been ministering and, and doing miracles, and this is where we pick him up. He says, after the two days he left for Galilee, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they had also been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. We talked about that last week. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. This is what Jesus says in verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Now, as we begin, <clears throat> I want the first thing I want to point out as we look at this passage, as we consider the second sign, is that the passage involves some, some contrast that could appear if we don't understand them as contradictions. And here's this apparent contradiction beginning at verse 44. Now, when Jesus himself had pointed out that a, he had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country, and then he says, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. So he has no honor, but they welcomed him. And he goes, but listen to what he says. They, they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had been there. Now, this appears to be a contradiction. It appears to make no sense because it says that he goes, he goes back here saying that, you know, understanding that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And then when he shows up, everybody says, hey, Jesus is here. Welcome. That sounds 
contradictory, doesn't it? It, it doesn't make sense on the surface of it. Uh, but, and you, you, you know, you'll remember last week that we, we saw in that first sign when Jesus turned the water into wine, the fact that there was a reluctance and a hesitancy on Jesus' part because of the fact that he realized uh, that his time had not yet come. And Jesus was not just looking to showcase miracles and show off his power and do stuff, Right? You guys are, I know it's like not that many of you here, but I need a little feedback. Otherwise, I get really insecure up here. I'll be thinking you're asleep and stuff. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, Jesus, in this text we read today, it's interesting because even when this, this, this official comes to Jesus to talk about, to ask him to, to go and to heal his son, he seems, Jesus seems a little bit, little bit cagey in a sense. He says, you know, you know it's like, you know, he, he, he's not like just willing at this point. And John doesn't depict him in these instances as just being raring to go and just like, yeah, I got miracle power. Let's do it. It's like Jesus, he, you know, he, they're, 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 because there's this tension between ordinary miracles, if there is such a thing, and these signs. And what John is trying to help us to understand in his gospel is the fact that the miracles and the things that Jesus does, and particularly certain ones of them, they're done for a very specific purpose, but Jesus is not just trying to show off and showcase his power. There is an American, in American evangelicalism, particularly from the mid-20th century forward, there was this, there's this, um, this, um, this revivalism. There was a very horrible movie that Steve Martin did called Leap of Faith. And it was a very poor depiction of, of, of a very real subculture. And that subculture is, is, is traveling miracle evangelist shows. You know what I'm talking about? The, you know, the tent thing. It's like some of those people that do, have done that stuff have been wonderful and been mightily used by God. And some of them found a really cool gimmick that made them a lot of money. And Steve Martin, they, they kind of overplayed it and missed some of the cultural factors. Uh, Robert Duvall in The Apostle was a little more authentic of kind of preacher of that genre, but he wasn't really the miracle big guy. He, was, he preached salvation a lot, although he was kind of lost himself, right? But you know, the leap, that, that movie, Leap of Faith, back in the 60s, there was a song, Love, Dr. Love's Traveling Salvation Show. You know, it's just, it was parroting and talking about that genre because there was this idea in, in American culture, you know, that, that there's the, 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 where we just, you know, we, we Somebody has the special abilities to, and these gifts in their lives, and so they showcase them, and they go, and they go on the road, and they buy a big tent, and they get a couple semis, and they, and they get a bunch of chairs, and they go from town to town, and, and they pray for people, and they come down, and they advertise, and, and maybe in some cases those miracles have been real, but I have to tell you in all honesty that in all cases they're not, and you have to be careful who you subscribe to and who you hang out with and where you go. Because what happens is this. The display of God's power, the experience of, of the supernatural, can easily become mere entertainment when it doesn't point to something else. If it's not just, you know, healing, divine healing is not just alternative medicine. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about up in here today. It's not just alternative medicine. It is designed to point to something else. And what we see here and what Jesus is getting at behind this text is that some sort of short-lived superficial acceptance of the Lord because of the things that he hands out and because of the miracles and because of the fact that he, represents, he, he has a cure for that disease. That is no substitute. It's not the same as an informed 
long-term commitment to him. And there's a difference, and we'll see that in this text today. We'll see the distinction. They're the crowds that follow Jesus because they like to see the signs. They follow Jesus because of the stuff that he hands out. I, I, I did, my daughter and I worked on this TV show a few weeks ago. And, um, um, you know, because, you know, these sitcoms, they have these choir scenes. And so we, she's part of this network, and they get, we all get hooked into this stuff. It's a sitcom. I don't know, much, I don't, I don't know anything about it, but it's called Mom. And, uh, and, and this episode, I'm going to spoil it because it hasn't been aired yet. But the part that I got to see and the part I was involved with was the fact that this one girl, this African-American sister, this comedian, that she's part of the cast, I think, and she has been in jail and then, or, or something. And, and then the, the major player is she's, like, uh, been in, in there all in rehab and stuff. And so this one girl gets out of jail, and she, gets, she basically becomes a Christian. So she, and she starts talking about how God is, you know, blessing her life and stuff. And I think she found a, got a parking space through prayer, too, like I talked about last week, right? But what happens is she takes, there's this the tall lady that's like the star of the show. She takes her to a church. And so, you know, they're, they're singing and shouting. And so the line that the lady, the, 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 the punchline in this scene is, is this the time when we're supposed, when we get to ask for stuff? You know, you know, can you imagine? I mean, this, this woman is totally unchurched. And she comes into church, and, and they're singing, and she's like, is it? and that's the way a lot of people, it's like, wow, church is cool, man. You guys are having a good time. The music is good. Folks are nice. They dress nice. They smell pretty good. They look good. And it's like, wow, when, when we, so if I do, if I go there, will my life get better? And the answer is yes. Will, will, might God prosper me if I put him first in my, my life? Yet the answer is probably yes on one hand. But you see, sometimes we fall short when we're just following Jesus because of the things that he gives. And that's what's going on here because the crowd is following him, not because they really know who he is. And that's what's going on in the parable of the four soils. The second soil represents the, 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 the superficiality, the, the short-term commitment that isn't deep enough to last. It isn't deep enough to last. And, and so we, we should not suppose that just because the, the Galileans have welcomed Jesus, that they truly accept him or know who he is as Messiah. Just because people are talking about Jesus doesn't mean that they understand who he is. Just because people are attending the worship concert or listening to the gospel music or even listening to the preaching doesn't mean that they really know and have really come in touch with who he is and with the demands that knowing who he is will place upon us. These people are... are, 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 are they're fascinated by miracles and by signs, and they got faith that goes far enough basically for the, for, for, for the signs that Jesus is doing. So he leaves Judea because he's becoming popular before this too quickly. He leaves there because the people are starting to discover who he is, and there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of, of, of noise being made about this, this Jesus who's, who's healing the sick and, and blessing people. And he goes to his homeland as to not to be honored. But he's initially welcomed. But what, you'll, what we see in the text is that he's not truly honored. He's not really honored. To be welcomed, to be, to be popular is one thing. See, there are a lot of people you can be, look at our culture is, is sick in this regard. Because we just, people are popular one minute, beloved and hated the next. I'll go off script here and say that I want to give props to Eddie Murphy because, because 
I don't know anything about what Bill Cosby has done or not done. This is no judgment on Bill. I am not the jury. I wasn't there. I, I'm, you know, but, but, they, but he was asked by Saturday Night Live to, to do a, a parody sketch, and you know where they were, they were going to drag Bill in the mud and make a big joke out of it. And Bill had been helpful to Eddie earlier in his life, and Eddie refused to do that sketch. That's why when he went out on that show, it seemed like he didn't have much to say, because, but I, I admire him. First time I've ever admired Eddie Murphy. But I admire him for having the courage to stand up for, for somebody and not drag somebody's name to the mud, because in this culture, we, we, can, we love them one day and we hate them the next. Oh, but it was like that in Jesus' day, too, because you remember on Palm Sunday, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then on Easter Sunday, crucify him. And that's the way it is, except now they do it on Twitter. Huh? See, popularity does. And sometimes Jesus, Jesus in our culture has, in a lot of pockets of American culture, been very popular. But sometimes grossly misunderstood. Very popular and very trendy, but sometimes grossly misrepresented. And so, here's the thing. As disciples of Jesus, as Christ followers, it's not that we are not to be following after miracles, but maybe more than that, miracles ought to be following after us if we really get our act together. But what appears to be a contradiction is simply a contrast between popularity, if you will, and true faith and true commitment. Not just belief, right, but commitment. Because belief can be like this. Wow, I know that God does great things. I know that God can heal. I know that God can bless me. I know that God can provide for me. But that, if that stops short of the commitment that says, I will lay down my life and I will give it all to Jesus and I will do everything he says, then we miss the entire point. So that's the first thing that's happening here. Shows up basically at home, understanding that he will, should not be welcome because of who he is, with a superficial welcome that still denies the fact that they don't understand who he really is, and that's what we see in the text. And then the second thing is this. It's one thing to have the present belief that Jesus can do a certain thing, that God is able, if you will, but it's another thing to believe in who he is, not only what he can do. You know what I'm talking about? We sing that beautiful song. We say, you know, you deserve the glory and the honor. I lift my hands in worship and I bless your holy name. For you are what? Great. You do what? There's no one else like you. It's one thing to know that he does do, but that other, that other phrase makes it much more personal. There's no one else like you. Because there might be somebody else that looks like they can do a miracle here or there. But there's no one else like Jesus. He is uniquely the son of God. He uniquely commands our worship and our obedience. And so the, the royal official now in, 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 our, in, in this account, he's traveled about 20 miles to request Jesus to come to his home and to heal his son. And he seems to believe that Jesus can heal his son if, if he's at his side. If, Jesus, if I can get Jesus back to my house, I can get him, you know, if I can get him to travel this 20 miles with me, I can get my son healed. And Jesus says to the official, he says, you go home, your son will live. I'm not going with you, but you go home and your son's going to be all right. And he goes home and his faith seems to grow in the few moments that he's pleading with Jesus. And so the official leaves to return to his son, believing the word of the Lord. But as we go forward, you'll see that, that he's cited as believing in two instances. And so the question is, at this point, early on when, when, he, when, 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 he's, when Jesus tells him to go and he goes in faith believing, 
He believed, the text says he believed the word of the Lord. What does he believe? Now, I would suggest to you that what he believes is not bad or not harmful. It's right, but probably incomplete. I think that he trusts Jesus at this point, not knowing exactly what Jesus meant and not knowing exactly who Jesus really is. But then John says he believed, and then after the healing, he says he believed and his household believed. So did he believe before or did he believe after he got home? Well, he believed in two different ways. He believed to two different extents. The father understands that he's witnessed a miracle and he believes along with his entire household at the end. But we've already been told that he believed in verse 50. Because what happens is initially he believed what Jesus says. He believed the word of the Lord. But belief that the belief that appears in verse 53 is a deeper, more informed belief. A belief not just that Jesus can heal my son, but a belief that Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Some of you know how that's like, what that's like because you realize when you came, you didn't believe in Jesus when you first met him like you believe in him now. Some of you came to Christ out of desperation. Some of you came to Christ seeking a remedy as your last resort and you heard that God does wonderful things. Some of you had friends that drug you, literally, almost literally drug you to the altar, try to get you some help and you, you thought that at least Jesus can get me off these drugs or out of this bad toxic relationship or get, break this habit off my life or, or, or turn my life around and get me out of this, this mess that, I, that I'm in and this, this situation I've created. So, I, if, if, you know, so if, if church will help, then I'll go to church. And sometimes it was more about church and the environment. You didn't really know who, the, who this Jesus was because people had told you different things about who he was. You know what I'm talking about? They told you through their actions and through the way they talked. They told you that he was mean and that he was judgmental. They told you that he was, that he was namby-pamby and didn't care about nothing. You could do whatever you want. He's just handing out, throwing candy at you. You had all kinds of different ideas about Jesus. You didn't know, but you believed that you, believed that you could find some help in the church. You believed that you could find some help in his presence. But then you came to know him, and then there's that one day when he penetrated, the word of God penetrated your heart, and you, you were able to see Jesus as he really was. You remember Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and there's a point where you realize Jesus is not just the, the person that's handing out benefits and blessings and favors, but he is the son of God. He is all that, and he deserves everything I have. Now, in, in, in Palestine, there are a lot of purported miracle workers running around. There are a lot of... Uh, Shaman type holy men who were who were 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 appearing to heal people, as there are in every culture, right? And 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 so these people they were they were used to this, and they, they here's another one. It seemed like he's pretty good because his his track record seems pretty good. His his average is 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 perfect, and and they 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 had seen what he could do, and they wanted to get in on what he could do. But but the difference is that Jesus isn't healing just because that's his thing. But as we said earlier, his miracles are signs that point to himself as Messiah. Signs that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, has broken in on human experience. Signs that Jesus is taking dominion over sickness, over sin, over death, over evil. And so this man, when he goes home, he gets it on a deeper level. He says, Jesus, heal my son. Jesus Jesus said, I'm not going with you. You go home. Your son will be fine. He goes, he says, okay, I believe that. 
And he goes home and he sees it and he hits him. This ain't just no ordinary miracle worker here. This is somebody special. This is somebody special. So he, then he and his whole household became a house of faith. I'm talking about, see, the difference between the initial believing God for that miracle and believing God for your salvation in the sense of trusting him with your soul. And that's what happens. And that's the way faith works. And that's why signs and wonders, basically, by the way, Christian, signs and wonders aren't for you. And when they do this stuff, Christians chase after that more than unbelievers. And you, if, when signs and wonders are genuinely occurring, they're not for you. Because you're supposed to have your faith in Christ already. You have the word of God. You're supposed to know him. I don't need to see a, a miracle to believe that Jesus is the son of God and he's my savior and dwells within my spirit. It's encouraging to see it. It'll strengthen my faith a little bit. But what? But these signs are for whom? They're for the unbelievers. So in John chapter 1, you know, we begin, we start out in John, several disciples come to believe in Jesus as, as the Messiah. They're following him. And then, but notice even last week when we talked about the water and the wine. When he changed the water into to wine, we were once again told that they believed in Jesus. There was something that happened in that moment where their faith went to a deeper level. And so throughout Jesus' ministry, more and more of these miracles are performed. And the disciples are seeing this. And, and the more they see, the more their faith grows. And that happens with us as we see God work. And that's why we, we want to hear about it. But it's not the basis. It's, it's, it's the starting point, And it, it points along the way. But ultimately, we get to a place, place that our faith is, is rooted and grounded in his word. So that's what's happening. That Jesus accomplishes this miracle in a way that it enhances this official's faith from a kind of sign faith where he's like, wow, I, I need this thing done by God. I think this guy can do it, and I believe he can, to a kind of faith in the Word of God. And it's apparent to Jesus, I mean, it's apparent rather that sign faith is not pleasing to Jesus because Jesus doesn't commit himself to people that are looking for that kind of thing. It's not a bad starting point, but it shouldn't end there. So Jesus wants people whose faith is grounded in his word and not in miracles. And that's what we see here. That's the tension in this text. The fact that people are coming there. They have a kind of initial faith. People are welcoming. They have a kind of initial faith. But Jesus is getting at something more than that. Jesus did not. That's, you know, people that uh, in, this, in this culture, in this day and age, characterized by so much skepticism, people still often want to reduce Jesus to a prophet or a holy man who did some great things and some miracles. He had some miraculous power because he discovered the, the God nature in himself, and you too can discover the God in you, and you, you know, and all kinds of metaphysical stuff. But that we reject that out of hand because the, Jesus did not come to, to merely be another prophet or another holy man, another miracle worker. He came to demonstrate he is the word of God made flesh. He is the, the one and only son of God. Amen. And then thirdly, this is, in the miracle itself, here's, this, here's a teaching point for us. The official's request, right, and Jesus' alternative response reminds us of something. It reminds us that we would be mistaken to suppose that God can only accomplish what we ask him for 
by doing it through the means we prescribe. Let me see if I can edit that, redact that. We are wrong if we think that when we ask God for something, he can only do it the way we think he should do it. You get, you get it? And we're kind of all like this when we pray, right? Because we tell God what we need and we tell him how we think he should do it. That's why sometimes we use, we, sometimes a paucity of words is, is in order. Sometimes we just need to ask what we ask for, not, not give God so much commentary because we just get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. We, you know, it's like we, we want to tell God, not only we want to just ask Jesus for what we want, but we want to tell him how we think he should do it, the way we expect him to behave, and the way we think that he should behave or act or perform. We think that's the, that's the right thing. And so the official thinks that Jesus needs to come to his house. I mean, if my son is sick, then you got to come to the house. That's Right? Jesus, I'm, I came 20 miles to fetch you, and I'm going to carry you back. My, my dad used to say, I'm going to carry you over to the, to the, to the library. Carry? They're not in the car. He said, Jesus, I'm, you got you to go. You, we, we, my son, come on, we got to do this. And, and that's got to be the only way this could happen, right? The only way this could work is the only thing I can see because in my finite mind and my limited thinking, I only see the one thing. You have to come to Capernaum and, and personally attend to my son. You got to lay your hands on him there. You got to be there with him. You got to see him. You got to be in the room. But Jesus intends, he, he intends to heal the man's son. There's no doubt about it. But Jesus knows something that maybe the, the official doesn't know. He doesn't need to be at the boy's bedside. Because Jesus can do something that a lot of the miracle workers and the holy men and other people probably can't do. Jesus can heal from a distance. Jesus can send his word. And, and besides, it's, it, it is suggested that, humanly speaking, if Jesus had 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 decided to go, by the time he got there, the boy would have been dead anyway. So what Jesus had, in his infinite wisdom, he saw through this and said, no, that's not the way this is going to go down. And of course, he could have raised the boy from the dead, but his way of of, of healing the the boy, it kept the crowds from witnessing the miracle, and and, and it kept it within a certain boundary because Jesus, again, is is not just trying to stir stuff up. But what it did was it reached the people that needed to be reached, and that's the official and his household. So don't give up when it seems that God refuses to jump through the hoops that you've placed before him with regard to the thing that you've prayed for and asked him for. Because God, if he's God, he knows what's best for us, and he knows the best way to do what it is we need. And when we ask God for something and we've got a plan, you can rest assured almost every time that God has a better plan. Oh, I like what Paul writes in Romans eleven thirty three and following. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how fathomless his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? You know, it's like, who are we dealing with here? And so in this, in this moment, we see the glory of the Lord. We see, we see Jesus 
acting in ways that accomplish his purpose in spite of people around him who misunderstand who he is and whose faith only goes to a certain point. And we see the glory of Jesus as he's able to heal. He's able to send his word. He's able to just say in the moment, it's done, and it's 20 miles away. Let me tell you something. If it's 2,000 miles away or 3,500 miles or in another, in another world, Jesus has the ability to do that. And look at what happens in this sign compared to the last one. Last week, the, the, we had the, tr- the, the, the transformation of, of water into wine, and now we have the transformation of people through the healing of bodies and the restoration of lives. Th- let me give you a couple things here, three things, and then we can dr- draw this to a conclusion. Number one, let's resolve to never allow ourselves to get stuck at the, uh, at the point of faith simply in what Jesus can do. But let's make sure that we allow ourselves by the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to grow into a full-fledged faith, trust, and belief in who he is, coupled with a full commitment to follow him. Let's not, let's not settle for, for uh, an elementary faith when we can have a, 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 fully, a full-grown faith, for a, a childish kind of faith, for a better faith, right? You understand what I'm saying? So then we, we move on from chasing miracles and having to have God prove stuff to him, and we move on to the fact of dealing with issues of, of hard belief, of, and, and that belief is compromised by commitment. The, the faith that we need is a faith that not just is always grappling for intellectual assent. I just want to believe, and I just believe, but it's the kind of faith that, that believes that Jesus is who he says he is by the word of God, by the revelation of the spirit, by what God has done. And then that faith, if it's genuine, will lead us to act. You know, you know how that goes, right? Uh, you you got to step off the cliff, take the proverbial leap of faith. You've got to step out and do what Jesus, you've got to step out and follow him. You've got to step out. You've got to leave the old stuff behind. You've got to live for him. Secondly, Let's, let's continue. We should ask freely and boldly for what we need from God. You know that? And you know, I always tell you this. Don't ever get that, that false religiosity, that false humility. Oh, you know, I don't want to bother the Lord because, you know, God is glorified in our asking and receiving. That is the nature of our relationship, just as with our children. When our children are young, we are, we are gratified and and fulfilled by meeting their needs. It's not like, well, you're asking me for food again. I just fed you yesterday. <laughs> How much water are you going to drink? You're only three years old. I mean, the stuff doesn't grow on trees. It comes out of wells. So keep on doing that, but keep an open mind to the way in which God may respond to your requests. Because God, guess what? He is the creator. And you know what that means? He is infinitely creative. God possesses all knowledge, doesn't he? God possesses all power. He's omnipotent. God is able to do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine, and he's able to do it in ways that are far beyond our wildest imagination. So let's keep an open mind to not only what God may do, Our benediction last week and today is from uh, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. But let's keep an open mind and an open imagination as to the ways in which God may do it. 
the, the loved one that you're praying for, your way of them being saved, you figured it all out. You know what they need to do. And you tell them, you've told God, and you tell them, you need to do this. And so, and, the, and God may have a plan. The Lord may have a plan for that person that will take them a different road, but get them to the same result, to get them to Jesus. Your plan for, for your financial recovery might be one thing. And God, Jesus may say, I'm, I'm working something else. And so you need to keep your ear open and listen to me. But we want to be careful about saying to Jesus, this is what I need, and this is how you should do it. Say, this is what I need. Lord, do what's best in my life in the way that you see fit. And that's where some old folks, you know, I always tell you, they had it right. They, they would just say, we'd be at church, they'd be praying, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. They'd be down and all, thank you, Jesus. And then people would say, have your way, Lord, have your way. And that's like, have your, those are some four powerful words. We're scared to say that, you know, I don't know about that. Have your way. Because I want my way. Because I think my way is the best way. My way is safe. I know my way. But when we say, Lord, have your way, that means I got I to gotta open up to a world of possibilities. Okay? And then finally, understand he may be working in, in, in a situation in your life that you've talked to him about, but his working has been shrouded by your expectation that the answer would come this way when he's sending the answer that way. Okay? And so you may have concluded that he hasn't heard your request because the answer hasn't come packaged the way you requested or expected. But open your heart, open your mind, and allow the Spirit to open your eyes to the unexpected ways that God may be working in your life. Amen? Amen. We're not, we're not sign seekers, are we? We want the Spirit of the Lord. We want God's presence and his power to be operative in our midst in a powerful way. And we get excited when God heals sick bodies and when God does miraculous things because we believe that that, that, that is a reality. We believe, in, we believe in miracles. We believe in the supernatural. God is God. He's greater than us. And he's able to do that stuff. There are some Christians that say the age of miracles has ceased. No, it hasn't. I will grant you that they're not probably as commonplace as some people want to make them, but there are, there are people in here today who can say, I have experienced the touch of God in my life in tangible ways where he's done stuff that nobody else couldn't do and that I couldn't have done under my own strength. So, we're, But we're not chasing after that. We're chasing after a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and a deeper faith that's characterized by commitment and obedience. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to just pray, and we're going to dismiss. I, I kind of, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, I would invite you at the close of service to make your way to myself or to uh, uh, Greg Boone, Richard, Richard McFalls. I know Brother Willie's got to get out because he's going to get ready to get on his plane, but there are a number of us that we would love to talk with you and pray with you. I look around the room. I know virtually everybody in here today. So I'm going to assume that all of you know the Lord. But I do want to ask, how many of you have an area in your life, and we've prayed for some folks today and some concerns. How many of you have an area in your life where you, you need to see the power of God, where you, you have a need that you need, you need God's help? Now, in the midst of that, I want to challenge you from what we've heard today. Number one, are you, are you open to the way that God will do that as opposed to the way that you think he should do it? We're going to pray together and believe that God will, 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 will help us to, to be open to the answer in the way that he'll bring it.
Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the, this time of worship, for your, your grace and your mercy in our lives. As we work our way through these seven signs in John's gospel, we see how they point to Jesus as the Son of God. We see how they communicate something about his nature today. This second sign showed us that Jesus is not just running around seeking uh, validation from the public. He's not in a popularity contest. He has a a purpose and 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 a focus. He's headed toward the cross. In the midst of that, he's performing signs and wonders to demonstrate the love and compassion of God, to demonstrate the kingdom of God that has come and has, has taken dominion and authority over the works of the devil. And he, he's, he has a purpose, Lord, today. Thank you for reminding us of that purpose. And this sign points us to that. And in this situation, he's asked to do something one way, and he does it an entirely different way. And so we, were, we learned today, we, it just pointed to the fact that, that Jesus has the ability to do things in ways that would blow our minds. And, and so we need to not be limited in our expectations to our expectations, but we need to open our hearts and minds. Lord, help us. I pray for every, everyone that raised their hand, every need that's here. I know some of those needs are financial. Some of those needs are emotional. Some of them are relational. Some of them are spiritual. Uh, there are all kinds of needs here today. Father, we lift every need and every concern to you today and ask that you would move powerfully in the lives of your people. As we've prayed for other things today, we've prayed for a number of situations and people that are hurting and people that have needs. And, Lord, today as we lift that to you, we do so in the faith that you are able that you have all power, that nothing is impossible with you. And, Father, we, we cast off not only doubt, but we cast off, Lord, expectations of how you will do things when you may do them in a way that we could not even think about or imagine or expect because of our finite imaginations, our finite understanding. Today, Lord, we release you to do in our lives what it is you would do in the way that you would do it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, lift up the discouraged person today. Lord, those facing medical tests this week and medical procedures, we pray the grace and mercy of God and the sustaining hand of God and the healing power of the Almighty in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those who are, are, are struggling, Lord, with, with, with the demands that life has placed upon them, those who are at seem, seemingly at the ends of, end of their wits because of stress and because of strain, because of time concerns, and, and all of the demands that life uh, has, has pressing in upon them, we pray, Lord, that you lift the burden from their shoulders in Jesus' name. For those who are struggling with doubt, Lord, uh, we, we must be said that we as Christians, we struggle with doubts along, along the way in various places. And you do not, despite, we, we, you know, we preach this hardcore faith thing, but the reality is that people struggle. And Lord, thank you for reminding us of that. And we come to you. We don't turn from you, but to you with our questions, with the things we don't understand, with the things that we are, we are, we are uh, hesitant about, the things that we are struggling with. We come to you and we look to you and we, we understand that, that you are the one who will provide and lead us to the answers. But Lord, we just, we bring our doubts, our fears, our, our, our insecurities, everything, and we bring it to you. We don't run off with it and hide it and hold it because it's not like you can't handle it. It's not like you're not there for us or it's not like you turn your back on us and reject us when we are perplexed or confused or in, in a state of doubt or fear or confusion. Lord, we just, we are your people. We are your sons and daughters. We're your disciples. 
So we're going to keep on following you. We're going to keep on loving you. We're going to keep on trusting you. We're going to keep on looking to you. We're going to stay in your presence. We're going to stay in relationship with you. We're going to stay in communion. We're going to stay in your word. We're going to stay in church. We're going to come, Lord, we'll come to church when we don't understand, when we're mad, when we're angry. We're going to come, we're going to read your Bible when we don't understand what we're reading. We're going to still allow those words to sink into our, our minds, into our hearts. Lord, we're going to stay with you because you are the only one. Peter understood. You're the only one that, that has the words of life. You're the only one that has the key to unlock the doors before us in life. You're the only one that has the power to deliver us out of the situations that have us that burden. So we're going to stay plugged into you. Come on, let's bless the Lord. Lift, lift up a shout to the Lord. If you, 